How many of you remember ZZ Top? Does that sound familiar? It's a Christian trio, I think. Uh, well, we got progress going on, don't we? You like progress? We don't like progress. We like the end result. You don't like the diet. You like the end result. Amen? Now, of course you do. How many of you ever mess up? How many of your spouses do if you're married? I want to read to you. I, lo- I love getting these things like insurance reports or hospital reports where there were some mistakes made. Somebody messed up. This was probably a sleepy intern or a frazzled nurse. Hospital reports. The patient refused autopsy. Would you? I mean, I would. Patient recovering from forehead cut became very angry when given an enema. Google enema when you get home, that'll be funny. Patient has chest pains if she lies on her left side for over a year. Brain surgeon. The, uh, the patient has been depressed since she began seeing me in 1993. She is numb from her toes down. Some of you are numb from your ears down, right? And lastly, she stated she had been constipated for most of her life until she got a divorce. (laughs) If you don't think that's funny, something's wrong with you this morning. I'm going to mess you up now if you didn't laugh. We're in Genesis 4, in Genesis 4, and we're going to talk about messing up. We're going to talk about messing up with, with God and I, I'm going to assume, which is a dangerous thing, but I'm, I think I'm assuming correctly this morning, you have, I have, you probably will again in the future, and you may be right in the middle, right now even, of some gigantic mess you have created with you and God. And I want to begin with this, because this is so important. We're going to really, we're going to start with two negatives, then we're going to hit two positives, but you've got you to go through all of it to get to the good. The first is this, when we are away from God... Are we get away from God? We are headed for a reckoning. A reckoning means an encounter that's probably not going to be good. When we're away from God, if you're not a Christian this morning, man, you're in the right place. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ, but you're away from God. You don't belong to God. And if you stay in that state, at some point, at some point, there's going to be a collision with God, and it's not going to end well for you. Some of us are Christians this morning, and we are away from God. And the truth is, when you and I get away from God, eventually there is going to be a a reckoning. No question about it. In verse 1 through 5, we're in Genesis 4. We've been in the last three weeks. Now, Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and bore Cain. She said, I've got a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she had another son, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard. He accepted Abel Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He did not accept it. And Cain was very angry, and his face fell down. Now, just a quick summary of the last two weeks. Why did God accept Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's? Because Abel gave of his best. He gave from his first. He, God was his priority. It was intentional. And his heart was in the right place. Other places in the, the New Testament tell us that. Cain just gave what he had. Cain gave what he grabbed, what he could get. He gave to the Lord. And the rest, different places in the New Testament tell us his heart was in the right place. And when God did not accept his offering, he, he 
became furious. Instead of being mad at himself, instead of being mad at, 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 at the person who was responsible, he was mad at God and he was mad at his brother. And that's never going to end well. Verse 6 and 7, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fought? Why, listen, why are you mad this morning? Why are you mad at everybody else? Well, you feel dejected. You, you don't have to. Look, if you do well, will you not be accepted? The words here are, are such great words. The word do well, or phrase means to, to do what's good, to do what's right. It has the connotation of relational. Do You do what's right with other people and you'll be accepted. It's impossible for you to be upside down with other people and right with God. Now, that doesn't mean you, you have to fire people. You may have to get on to people. You may have to discipline your kids. But when your heart and your attitude is sinful and wrong with others... It's not going to go well. God says, if you will do right, you'll be accepted. Listen, that word accepted means you'll be raised up. Cain, you're deflated. Do what's right and you will be raised up. I will approve of you. But if you don't sin, missing the mark with God is right at the door. We're going to see that more in a moment. It's waiting to ruin your life if you're not careful. In verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? That's a rhetorical question. God didn't, God wasn't asking for information. God never comes to you and says, did you sin? Did you look at that on the computer? Did you cheat on your spouse? Did you steal that at work? Do you have a horrible attitude? God's not coming for information. That's rhetorical. God's coming. He's wanting you and me to respond properly. But this is a classic verse here. And Cain says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Wow. There was a family who camped. It may have been the Richards, Ryan and Kathleen and the boys. And they were out camping one day and they were cooking outside, but they had the, the windows open and the screens and you could hear inside. And Ryan goes inside to get the butter and he can't get the butter. Ryan, raise your hand so everybody who doesn't know you, I can embarrass you publicly uh, for this. And so Ryan does what, I do this, he's talking out loud, hoping other people will hear him and help. Y'all ever do that? It's indirect, I'm trying to get you to do something without me asking you, right? He's saying, where's the butter? Where's the butter? Did any of y'all do that? Where's the butter? And finally, he says, Kathleen, where's the butter? And she says, I don't know, am I my butter's keeper? When he said, am I my brother's keeper, the word keeper means guardian, to tend to or to take care of somebody. And absolutely, he was responsible. Look what God says in verse 11. If you don't want to laugh, you won't laugh in the next few verses. You're cursed from the ground. You're a farmer. You're cursed from the ground. That's like a salesman being cursed from sales. You're you're cursed from the ground, which is open its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer here on earth. In other words, Cain decided to get away from God. God will let you get away from him. God will let you go your own path. It's, God does not want you, if you're not a Christian, to go to hell. You read the Bible over and over. God doesn't want you to die without him. But he's not going to force you to come to him. And, and if you want to go your own way, as a Christian, God will let you go your own way. But there's a reckoning coming when you wander or stay away from God. Several years ago in Edmonton, Canada, 
a little, do you know where Edmonton is? Go home tonight or this afternoon and look on a map. It's probably in February, and this was in February, it's like 100 degrees colder there than it is here. You know, it's 45 here, and we're dying. We're freezing to death. You know, it's like 70 below there. But one-year-old little girl named Erica was in bed with her mother. About 2 o'clock, she gets out of bed, wanders outside. The mother wakes up the next morning. The kid's gone. They find her out in the woods behind the house, barely alive, almost frozen to death. But by a miracle, they get her to the hospital, and she not only survives, she's able to walk again, and she's healthy. But you know what? If you're, if you, at any age, if you walk out of the woods in Edmonton, Canada, in February, and you're not clothed properly, and you want to go to sleep, you are, you are risking great danger to yourself. And when you wander away from God, you are putting yourself... In a, in a bad spot. There's going to be a reckoning. Listen, it may not happen next week. That, that's, what, see, that's how we get arrogant. See, Cain is flippant. He's disrespectful to God. Hey, am I my brother's keeper? A lot of us aren't like that. We're too, we're too good and southern, and, and we, we, we know how to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and God love you, and I love you. know, we know the religious language, but we're disrespectful and flippant with God by the way we obey him and the way we treat other people. God says there's a reckoning coming if we stay away from God. Now, here's the second thing. We're going to get positive in a minute, but we've got to take this route too because this is a big part of the story. Being away from God is a life of wandering. It's a life of wandering. In verse 12, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer here on earth. Fugitive means an outlaw. You're going to be an outlaw on the run. Literally, a wanderer means a vagabond or a hobo. A hobo. Verse 14. Behold, he says, this is Cain talk. You've driven me today from the ground and from your face. See, that's a key part of it. God's, God's, I want you away from my presence. I will be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Whoever finds me is going to want to kill me. Literally and spiritually, he's telling Cain, Get away from me. And in verse 16 and 17, it says, Then God, then Cain went away from the presence of God and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. In verse 17, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and born Enoch. They built a city, and they named it after him. This week, when, when I was studying, there was a, a Bible expert who said, well, Cain disobeyed God here because he went and built a city. He was supposed to be a wanderer. I don't believe that's the truth at all. If you look at verse 16, it says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, if you're taking notes, this is a very interesting tidbit. Again, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew originally. And the word Nod, well, first of all, the place Nod Archaeologists have never found the, the place of Nod. They've never found a city of Nod or a country of Nod. They've never found it. And the word Nod literally means wandering. Here's what I think this meant. Oh, he's going to go live around people. He's going to have a wife. He's going to have a family. But he was going to spend probably the rest of his life because he wasn't repented wandering from God, away from the presence and the power and the peace and the joy of God. He was going to spend his life away from God. And I want to tell you this morning, not, I don't know if it's a geographical location or not, but I know it's a condition of the heart. 
And you can live in Ruston and you can be in the land of Nod. Where you go home this afternoon and eat ice cream and watch TV and it's nice. That can be Nod. In your church, you can be in the land of Nod. In your pew where you are this morning, you can be in the land of Nod. When we get away from God, we are entering a time of away from God's presence and power and peace. We're in a position of wandering. Listen, if you're not a Christian, again, this is not kicking you. You're in the right spot. You need to come to God today. But, but, but being away from God as a lost person, you may not even realize it, but there's a hole in your heart that can only be filled by God. Everyone here knows who JFK was, John F. Kennedy. You know who Bear Bryant was? Bear Bryant was a famous Alabama football coach. Auburn fans like the Brown family hate him, but he was a tremendous football coach. And... I read, I read a lot about him and some about, about Kennedy. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, was close to John Kennedy. And he said before he was killed, of course, they didn't know he was fixing to get killed. Several times, Kennedy had wanted to talk to Billy Graham. And a time or two, they had it set up where they were going to, but it never happened. And he said he could tell one time Kennedy was like there was something really bothering him. And he was very disappointed they couldn't meet. And then he got killed. And Billy Graham lived with that the rest of his life. He said, I believe that, that the most powerful, rich, man, just rich like you can't even imagine. Uh, this guy, I mean, it wasn't a good thing, but he had women, relationships out, out his ears. But there was a hole in his heart because he didn't have a relationship with Christ. Bear Bryant was the great, greatest football coach of an era. Famous, wealthy, very successful in his field. And, and, and things I've read later in his life, he became a Christian in his late 60s before he died, which is awesome. But I, several things I heard is that there were times in his life, late in his life, uber successful, when he told people, something's missing in my life. You know what that was? It was Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, you're, you're in a nod spot. You're in a place you've got something missing only God could feel. But again, many of you are Christians. And you know the Bible. And you are certainly in the right spot by being in God, church today. But you're not where you need to be with Jesus. You're not where you once were. And if you're honest, you know that. And you're in nod this morning. But let me get to the positives today, which are so, so good. You may be in nod. You may be in the middle of a reckoning. But, but the third thing, God is trying to rescue you. And to rescue me even this very morning. Some of us are on the edge of disaster. I mean, we are, we are close to making some decisions that are going to cost us dearly. Some of us are in the middle of it right now. Some of us are facing the paddle of God. But I want to tell you, wherever you are, this is the greatest news ever. God's trying to rescue you. Isn't that wonderful? Look in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you pouting? But you're mad at your brother, you're mad at me instead of yourself. If you do well, will you not be accepted? To do well means to do what's right, what's pleasing, what's lovely. You will be accepted. You will have dignity. Literally to be accepted means you will be raised up. You're depressed, you're deflated, you're rejected. If you will do what's right, he says to him, I will raise you up. Isn't that wonderful? We know the rest of the story, and Cain doesn't, Cain doesn't heed his advice, but God is pleading with him. Let me rescue you. And he goes on in this verse. Put the verse back up there for a second, please. He says, sin, missing the mark, 
The devil is crouching at the door. That's literally the picture of an animal in the attack mode. Let's look at the picture of that lion, Jamie. If you go out in your backyard today and you see that facing you, what do you do? Call your wife out, men, and say, take care of that, honey. That's, uh, go to the next picture. Are you see that? I'm telling you, they find my dead body with no fang marks in it. It's a heart attack. I mean, that was, that's terrible. But you know the picture of an animal coil posed ready to strike. And that's what he's saying. He said, listen, the devil hates you. He, even this morning, he is trying to plot to bring you down. Oh, that's preacher talk. It's not. It's not. First Peter 5, 8, way over in the New Testament. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If the security team came in this morning, right at the end of the service, and they said, be careful going to your cars. There's a man-eating lion out in the parking lots. How many of you would be nervous? I would say, I, would say, I got a praying injury. I'd send my wife to get the car. Cindy, go get the car this morning. She's not here in about 45 minutes. Well, we make arrangements. No, you would be, you would be attuned, wouldn't you? You'd be alert. And, and that's what the Bible says here. God's trying to get your attention. Years ago, there was two Cajuns down in South Louisiana sitting outside of their church. It was on a country road. And they sat outside their church. When cars would come by, they were holding up signs that said, Turn around before it's too late. Stop. Dead end ahead. They were holding these signs up, and this car comes flying by, and the guys holler out, you religious nuts, and they throw something at them. Five seconds later, you hear screeching of the tires, and then you hear a loud splash. One of the Cajuns looks at the other and goes, maybe we just need to hold up signs that says bridge out. Laugh with me. That was funny. Okay. Don't laugh. Pay attention. God's trying to get your attention this morning. I don't read your mail. Nobody's spouse has called me this week and said, you will not believe what my kids are doing. I'm not claiming to be a prophet, but but I'm telling you, some of you, God is speaking to you right now. How did God speak to Cain? We we like to think in the Bible that God said, "Cain, look up here, buddy," and or He wrote it in the clouds. You're an idiot. Stop. No, no. I I think probably He spoke to Cain like He does you and me in our hearts. You know, through our music today, God's trying to speak to you. Through our sermon, God's trying to speak to you. Are, are you willing to hear? You got all the answers. You don't want the answers. You won't hear it. It's the weirdest thing ever. The God of the universe, he won't speak to you if you don't want to hear it. But he's trying. Some of you you are going to ruin your marriage. You're going to ruin your work relationships. You're going to ruin some friendships. You're going to cost yourself a lot if you don't hear God's voice today and turn around. Some of you are in nod. And God's trying to say, I I want you out of there. Come on. Some of you are facing, facing the reckoning this morning. You're in the hole, and, and God, you know what God's t- saying? Stop digging. Isn't it amazing? Some people are in a hole. The hole's getting deeper. And they're mad, and they keep digging the hole. 
Here, God did that. Listen, this is unbelievable. The God of the universe is trying to rescue this, you this morning. And let me put the icing on the, the, uh, the cake with this last thought. Even this morning, no matter where you are, experiencing God's grace is very possible. God's undeserved, unearned favor. Boy, if it's ever been, it was in this story. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Now, I read some scholars said this week he thought Cain was repenting at this point. The word punishment is a, is a uh, complex word. It means depraved action or sin or guilt. Most people don't think Cain was repenting. They think he was whining, complaining about the consequences of his behavior. You, in verse 14, you've driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I will be hidden. I'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me is going to kill me. He, he committed a death penalty crime, by the way. Look in verse 15. The Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills you, buddy. Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, and the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him would pay a dear, dear price. What is the mark of Cain? How many of you have ever wondered that? Preachers, we think about these things. Normal people don't, dude. I mean, like, we're watching football together at a preacher's thing. Hey, what about Cain? What about that mark? What do you think it was? I I read one guy this week said he thought it was a horn. I think that would have made the Bible, don't you? God put an 18-inch horn on his head. I mean, that'd get it. Hey, here's the hornhead guy. I mean, that would, you know, the horn frog. Maybe that's where TCU got their nickname. I don't know. And maybe it was three ears. Maybe it's like our three noses, a nose here, a nose here, a nose here. Hey, the three nose guy, stay, you know, stay away from that guy. He's kind of weird. Maybe his hair was purple. This was before my wife and beauticians were doing it to people's hair. Maybe God just, poof, made his hair purple. I don't know. Here's a real interesting little thought that I've never seen before and studying this passage for years. When, when God told him, you're going to be a restless wanderer, the Hebrew concept there literally means to tremble. And some people think that part of his wandering, anxiety, trembling, maybe, maybe it was a neurological problem. Now, Please don't take this that that I'm saying that a neurological problem is the wrath of God on anybody. It may have been on Cain. And and maybe Cain's mark was noticeable trembling and shaking and that people saw him and they knew something was wrong and that they, especially back then, they stayed away from him. They avoided him. I don't know what it was, but I know what it was. It was God's grace. It was his protection over somebody that didn't deserve it at all. In verse 6, 17, Cain knew his wife. She conceived, bore Enoch. They built a city. They named it after Enoch. I won't read verse 20 through 22, but here's what they say. They say that, that Cain went on. He had a family. He had grandkids and great-grandkids. And, and, and his relatives after this, look, one of them became the father of music. The other one became the father of, of ranchers and shepherds. The other one became... Basically, a farmer and uh, uh, the father, the one who created industrial workings. This was a bad guy who didn't deserve it at all, but God poured grace out on him. We don't even know how repentant he was. 
So here's something really cool. Think this morning what God will do for you if you'll get serious with him again and you'll get real with him again and you'll get real with other people again and you'll confess your sins and you'll turn from your sins and you'll say, God, you're going to be number one again. Think of the grace God will pour on you. Isn't that awesome? Grace means undeserved and unearned favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. But the moment we turn to God and ask for it, oh, there's repercussions and there's problems. But God's willing to to give us that second chance and that tenth chance and that twentieth chance and to pour his grace and mercy and love out on us. How many of you want that? Five of us. That's good. I feel like I'm a success this morning. I want it. And in the, the episode of the first son, the first guy to worship, and the first murderer ends in grace. Wow. I want to tell you this morning. You're in Nod. You're in the woodshed with God. Or you're headed there. Repent. Come back to him. He's reaching out to you and let him pour his grace on you this morning. The scary thing is, is it's your choice. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that God's speaking to your heart and that you're going to get serious with him today. You're going to do business with him. You're going to repent. You're going to come back to him. You're going to receive his grace. If you're not a Christian or if you're unsure if you're one, but you're ready today to say, Jesus, I want you, and you need to do this, you pray with me now and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe you're God's son, and that you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment. It's decision time. You just ask Jesus to come into your life or you're ready to do that. Come this morning and give your life to Christ. If you're tough for you to walk an aisle, I'll be at this door after church. Other ministers will be here. I plead with you today, don't leave this building until you know that you have an eternal home in heaven with Jesus. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can do that after church. We'd be happy to help you with that right over here. Or you can come this morning. Listen, you need a church home. You absolutely do. And we want you to be a part of us if God's leading you here. Come and join us today. Christian, some of you are doing great. Keep it up. We're always on the edge of not. We have to be careful. But some of us, we're messing up or we're about to. Some of us are wandering in our hearts and it's lonely and it's sad. Some of us are in the woodshed. You know what? Come back to God today. Confess your sin. Own it. Maybe where you're standing, maybe it's time to to come to the altar, get on your knees or your face before God, pray with a minister. I want to tell you, when you come repentant to God and ask for Him to pour His grace out on you, He will every time. Let's do that. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.